How's it going, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Barely There Podcast. Um, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Barely There Pod. Be sure to subscribe over on Spotify, Apple. Be sure to sub on YouTube. Like and like and subscribe if you like what you're hearing. Um, I'm Duke Coughlin. You could follow me on Twitter at that pod guy Duke. As always, I'm joined by that guy, Lucas Perfetti. You can follow him on Twitter at LucasBetty46. Um, we are covering the Chicago Bears versus the Detroit Lions. Obviously, um, if you watched the game, the Chicago Bears lost to the Detroit Lions at home 30-31. to 31. Um, Obviously, like the, the big thing missing with that 30-31 was the missed extra point by Cairo Santos. Um, Justin Fields had another pretty impressive day outside of uh, the pick six, but that's something we'll definitely get into. Um, it seems like, uh, it seems like a lot of the narrative is the referees in this one. Um, I think it's pretty easy to go down that road, but I would just vote, vote of caution for the fan base. Just don't try to blame that on everything because we definitely shoot our, shoot ourselves in the foot just as much as the, the rest shoot us in the foot. Um, we don't want to become Green Bay Packers fans who, uh, complain about the refs all the time. Um, but yeah, so Lucas, how are you feeling about this one? Um, it was, uh, it was obviously a rough one. You know, uh, I think both of us were pretty juiced up about the fact that we would beat the Detroit lions. I think the idea is you need to beat the Detroit lions. You know, uh, it's kind of that game that you need to be able to take advantage of. It would have been a nice little dunk to beat the Detroit lions after they had just beat the Green Bay Packers. But now the Detroit lions are currently sitting at with two wins over both the bears and the Packers. Um, what year is it? What, what, what fucking universe is this? And why, why do we have to live in it? Lucas? Well, um, don't underestimate fucking Dan Campbell, dude. Everyone wanted to make fun of the guy the same way everyone wants to make fun of Jeff Saturday. But at the end of the day, dude, football is about moving the guy in front of you out of the way or making a play, right? Like it, it's that simple. And sometimes being dumbing it down and being a fucking meathead um, is the right thing. Like, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like, people use that term like it's such a terrible thing. And, like, stats are so fucking perfect. But at the end of the day, like, football is 100% cock and balls. And sometimes you just need that in order to be fucking successful at it, right? Um, so that's just kind of the way I see it, man. And and this is something I cautioned the fan base of before when we talk about, oh, that was a fucking epic tank, bro. Like, the best tank possible because our quarterback scored 30 points, but we still – moved up draft position. No, you don't want to teach your team how to fucking have obscure ways to lose games. Cause we're seeing Detroit, the Detroit lions finally kind of breaking through this learning how to not fucking lose thing. Right. And the last thing we want is to be losing games that you're up 14 points because of one interception touchdown and a fucking missed extra point. Right. Like I know you talk about the, the, the penalties and that's egregious, but I implore RGM to go ahead and get some superstar talent on the team next year, because at the end of the day, a bunch of random dudes like Angelo Blackston. And even though Kyler Gordon's a rookie and Jaquan Brisker looks like a great rookie, right? Like you're, you're Sam Mustafers of the world. Um, you're not going to get fucking calls with that roster. Okay. We've talked about this and maybe some people will take it as far as saying things are fixed a certain way um, because of gambling and point spread, stuff like that. But at the end of the day, this is a league that is superstar driven. In order to get the superstar calls, you need to have fucking superstars. And right now, we just have one, and that's Justin Fields, right? That's it. That's our only superstar. Bo Jack's a stud. 
little bit older uh, vet and never really had the flash to his name that he deserved when he was at his peak. And he is kind of playing at his peak again, right? He had a little bit of a lull there. Um, but don't expect calls to happen for a team that's in the middle of a fucking rebuild. That's my biggest thing. Um, the most concerning thing to me, and I think it's more of an indictment on the roster itself, right? If you look at the roster, we're, we essentially maxed out the cap, but 50% of it is dead money. Um, so, you know, it's hard to close out games when you don't have closers on your roster for the most part. But at the same time, it makes me worried, like this three-point loss to Miami, not being able to finish, right? Um, not being able to win this game by this game that you had a commanding control of at a point. Um, like it's you're learning habits on how to lose games, right? And it's hard to break that. So this, hey, let's fucking tank thing. Um, the Bears aren't tanking. Cody Whitehair is still out there. Dante Pettis is still out there. Equinemia St. Brown is still out there. Bayless Jones, a third-round draft pick. We talked about this before the show. He's he's fucking sitting on the sidelines right now without a helmet and shoulder pads for because the Bears are trying to win games, and he's not ready to go yet. So if we're going to fucking tank, let's do it the right way. Let's do it like a fucking organization should and go see exactly who you have in your young guys and what positions are your biggest positions of needs because you already know what Cody Whitehair is going to give you, right? Like – you already know what Lucas Patrick is. You don't know what Carter is. What's his name? Uh, Jatir Carter or something like that. Like we, we don't, we don't know what some of these young guys are. So why don't we fucking take a look at them? Um, I don't know. It pisses me off. Losing well, Detroit Lions is an embarrassment. The, the Detroit Lions are the type of team that loses a game because they miss an extra point. Not the Bears. Well, dude, the Detroit Lions coming on coming to Soldier Field and winning this game hurts because I'm pretty sure this is kind of the same story we've been dealing with with the Detroit Lions the past few years where they've come in our, our house, I believe, in, uh, what, 2020 they beat us, I believe? I just want to know what's up with the fucking penalty. Like, not not even the, the penalties of, oh, that's a bad call, but, like, the so, calls shooting yourselves in the foot. Like, we were the most disciplined team throughout the preseason. How the yeah. fuck did we just randomly start getting flagged for everything? Like, what is going on? Yeah, I mean, and I I definitely feel like Eberflus. That's where he's going to start coming under fire a little bit. Um, obviously we're big, we're pretty big Eberflus guys, but I think it's impossible to ignore that. You know, not everything has been perfect. Um, it's definitely looked like a first year head coach at times, but he's also looked like a guy who's also trying to instill culture. Um, I think a lot of what you what you're talking about within your first rant there, Lucas. I think it sounds a lot like a coach trying everything he can to win football games, like exhausting every fucking potential best player on the roster to try to make that happen. You know, guys like Valus Jones aren't getting the opportunities they should when, you know, in all essence, me and you knew what the season was going to be going in. But Matt Eberflus, he wants he wants to win. He wants to have that winning culture. So, like, it almost feels like there's a little bit of a confliction there. Um, I don't want to overspeculate because I mean, there's no way to prove any anything like that. But like, it seems like with the with the personnel decisions we make on a weekly basis, it feels like regardless of what Ryan Poles is doing with trades or signings or practice squad moves, like it seems like Matt Eberflus, regardless, is just taking the absolute best 53 every single week and trying to put him on the field. So like in that sense, I have to give him credit because it seems like he's trying to make the best of a situation. He's trying to like instill these guys like, Hey, 
this isn't this isn't a fucking tank. You know what I mean? Like we're still trying to win every single week. It's not going to happen. It doesn't. It's not going to work out that way because simply put, we've just depleted ourselves of talent throughout the season. And you know, some of those trades you can you can make an argument for. Some of them, you know, kind of leave us scratching our heads personally. But like we, uh, it, it, it seems like they're trying to keep that culture while still doing what they're doing. You know what I mean? Because I agree with you. I, I think it's a great point, Lucas. And I think it's something that doesn't get brought up enough by either younger fans or fans who haven't been kind of paying attention to the whole tanking process since it started. You know what I mean? Like it is a very hard thing to get out of, you know, like Detroit in, in all intensive purposes, basically tank to get Matt Stafford. And while they got a pretty great quarterback, look what Matt Stafford's career in Detroit was. It, it, it didn't lead to anything you know what i mean like left exactly like they had matt Stafford and calvin johnson and that's that's a number one overall pick and that's a top five pick and they still did nothing you know what i mean like they put up numbers and the stats were fun and i'm sure like you bring it up to a detroit fan of stafford to calvin johnson or megatron like they're gonna have fond memories of that but they're they don't have a super bowl they don't have playoff wins they don't have fucking division wins you know they don't have fucking division titles like that's the name of the game that will always be the name of the game. And like stats are really fucking cool. But at the same time, winning football games is really cool as well. And when you getting into that, get into that loser mentality, just to try to pinch out um, all the great talent in, in the NFL draft, like you, you, you risk the chance of being that type of pathetic for a long time. The Raiders did it as well. And you want to know what they missed on those draft picks and it set them back fucking 10 years. So the hiring Josh McDaniels is the worst thing that, that franchise could have done. I was, I guess I should have been specific. It was more like tanking for like a Jamarcus Russell and then drafting Jamarcus Russell and then being yes. like, well, we failed misery. We failed so bad on that, that that well, set what, us behind. What people are, are really not adding to the equation of the, the metaphorical off season that they're having in their fucking head right now is the fact that, Justin Fields is a single individual, and he is the most in, important individual to this entire franchise right now. More important than Poles, more important than Eberflus. He's the guy, right? Like, that's the most important thing on this fuck in this organization. You're talking about a guy that has traditionally won since he was a child. State championships in high school, national championships competing for in college, right? Then you come to a team, you go you go six and fucking eleven or whatever they were. Was it seventeen games last year? Six and eleven, um, six and ten, whatever it was, right? And then you go into the next year, and now you're a three or four win team, right? So unless they move in the right direction next year, you're talking about a guy that's going into the fourth year of his rookie contract. Who held out recently? Because their their organization was a complete fucking shit show around them. Deshaun Watson and what happened? He got fucking traded eventually. He still hasn't hit the field, but he got fucking traded. And that's what people are not adding. He hasn't into. hit the field for way different reasons. Way yeah. different reasons. But that's <laughs> that's the thing that people are not adding into the equation, bro. We have very little room for error. Right now, with the roster that the way it's currently constructed and what the roster that Poles inherited, and I understand there was some dead fat that needed to be cut. You couldn't re-sign a guy like Hicks. Um, but then you look at someone like a Mario Edwards. Why the fuck is he gone? All You gain nothing from that. All you gain from it was a roster spot, and you put maybe Dominique Robinson in that spot. Okay, cool, whatever. I don't mind Dominique Robinson, but you get what I'm getting at. We've created more holes than we had, and now we have to refill those holes in order to be a competitive roster. And with all of the money that's there and, all, and the draft picks, which we traded uh, what looks like a top 38 pick 
um, for Chase Claypool, who took less fucking percentage of his snap share. We'll get into that, I'm sure, but took less snaps last week than he did the week previous when he first got over here. That's fucking alarming in its own sense. But you're asking them to, to have a very high hit rate this offseason and a lot of the signings that they make, not to be a Super Bowl contender, but to be competitive. So say you fucking draft a three-tech with your first pick at number six, or you trade down and draft a three-tech, and you go get a couple other guys. One of them's a Velas Jones. One of them's a, a cart, right? You get one Braxton Jones, and you get one starter that tears his ACL. Well, now that you still have all those holes, you just you just filled one hole, right? You still got everything else. And even if you have a high hit rate in free agency, like we're talking about a kid that, yeah, he's mentally strong and he could deal with taking hits and shit like that, but he wants to fucking win. You think he wants to run for 170 yards? No, he doesn't want to. He wants to be a quarterback. You think he's not hearing the narrative of people calling him a running back? Sure, Bears fans got his back, but at the end of the day, Bears fans don't sign his fucking check. So I think, I think we're really not understanding part of this equation of tanking of, oh, yeah, it's a great higher pick, all of that shit. Still got to build the roster up because if you don't build the roster up properly, now we have the first time in my lifetime where we have a legitimate possible superstar franchise QB and the organization might be so fucked up around him that he might want out. I'm not well, saying it's going to happen, but that is something that is not outside of the realm of possibility. No, it's not, and it's something we've talked about in the past, Lucas. I mean, we've we've actually been talking about it quite a bit the past few weeks about the idea that, like, if we don't get this thing figured out, like, Justin's coming up to that contract, and, like, while it's always, you know, sunshine and rainbows thinking about a Tom Brady-type deal, that's not the fucking norm. Well, like, not gonna and, you have to pay him. Through dude, and, that, and that's what I mean, especially when we're using him at the percentage that we're using him. Like, his usage percent, if that's something that can be put at, like, and I'm sure there's a way you can put, put a number on that with how much he's either running or throwing the ball on every single drive. You know, like, there's – there's a lot that goes into that, man. That goes a lot into your body. Like while it's awesome to have a fucking qu a quarterback that can move around like Justin Fields. Um, I do think Lat makes a really good point in the comments here. Justin Fields has never run first quarterback in college. And if anybody actually watched him at Ohio state and ju didn't just watch highlights, they would actually, they would know that he was, you can go look at his fucking rushing stats at Ohio state. He didn't have to run the fucking football because he had time in the pocket to be able to gash, gash teams through the air. And that's where he's going to be at his absolute best. Like, you know, that's, that's where you see, like, it, it's funny. Cause like we scoffed at the, at, cause we hate being able to compare like, like unique situations, but like, if we are going to look at like the Josh Allen type of development cycle, like Josh is like, he's getting paid for his arm now. You know what I mean? It's not just his running ability. It's not just him being able to run people over. It's that when he's not doing that, he's throwing absolute fucking rockets. And I know this is bad timing because he threw probably one of the worst interceptions I've seen him throw in his career against the Minnesota Vikings to lose in that game. But like, you understand what I'm saying? Like, no, I get, I get what you're like saying. That's, that's the type of, that's the type of way we need to ro roll with them, man. And uh, like to the entire roster build idea, like people need to remember that, like, even if you're like one of the biggest Ryan Poles guys, and there's nothing wrong with that. If you are, dude, I, I think you have a right to feel confident with some things that he's done. You know what I mean? Especially when you look at a guy like Jaquan Brisker and you look at the guy like Kyle, Kyler Gordon developing the way he is. And you look at Braxton Jones, like there are things to like about that, but you also need to understand that the best GMs in this league don't have a hundred percent hit rate. Like there are going to be mistakes made. There are going to be bad decisions made. And like, that's why this upcoming offseason is so damn crucial for Ryan Poles because we're going to see what that hit rate looks like for him. We're well, going to start seeing what that average hit rate looks like because that's what keeps people hired and that's what gets people fired. You know what I mean? Like if he misses on a lot of his signings, it's not going to be good for him. If he hits on like 
like three quarters or like even like polls like uh kind of like what poll or what pace used to do where you do the one year kind of prove it prove it deal and you get a couple you know good guys out of that like that will bode really well in his direction but like people need to understand that like like you said lucas the uh the window of uh the window keeps getting smaller of opportunity to be able to build this roster around justin fields on this rookie contract and um the the more you kind of the more you keep pushing that down the road and be like, okay, well, so we're going to build this roster for next year. We're going to build, we're going to continue to build for the future. The more you're going to hit a point where it's like, you better have every fucking piece set in place by the time you sign Justin, his contract, because that's when guys are going to start having to leave because you're not going to be able to afford him to keep him around. That's so like, one of the benefits though. We know if he's got Equinemia St. Brown, Dante Pettis and Darnell Mooney as his highlighted receiver, he can put up fucking 30. Well, dude, and that's kind of that's like, kind of what we were saying in the fucking off season, like when people were complaining about, and these are the these are the same polls guys now. People were complaining about the fact that they weren't tossing a bunch of uh, talent around Justin Fields, and we kind of said it. We're like, you know, it seems like polls is kind of doing a trial by fire. Like, what can you do with nobodies? So when we give you somebody, we know that it's going to be a well worth worthwhile investment. So, like in that sense. I will give polls a little bit there because he no. didn't fucking he didn't give a ton to the roster on that one. And Fields has proven that he can do it by himself. One thing people won't admit because they want to make every Ryan polls issue a Ryan Pace issue. One people won't admit, and they can go back and look through polls' hit or Pace's hit rate was far above the average. Like 65% is a really good fucking hit rate. A lot of free agent signings go to shit, whether it's because of injury, because they are trying to get into a different system, um, don't take to the coaching well. There's a million different factors of why something can't work out, right? Um, so you would be surprised, especially with the late round guys that became starters. And I'm talking about guys that just still are in the league, right? Like his first two drafts were pretty bad. And then as he got more and more into it, you're seeing some of these guys like Thomas Graham contribute other player uh, places, Kyrus Tonga, right? Some of these late round guys that no one ever heard of. And I know polls drafted a few this year, but right now the only one that's seen any fucking playing time is the UDFA Jack Sanborn, who we're going to highlight today. And, um, and Braxton Jones, everyone else is one of his high picks or one of his more priority signings, right? Like we're not seeing some of these guys that were, you know, the, the the Mario Edwards of the world or the Roy Robertson Harris's of the world, right? Like it just seemed like our fucking defensive line kept reloading and we only paid one or two guys every year, whether it was Leonard Floyd and Cleo Mack or Cleo Mack and Akeem Hicks, Cleo Mack, Robert Quinn, right? Like we, all those other guys filled in really nicely, probably because they had superstar um, game-changing talent next to them that other teams had to game plan for, right? So I'm not saying it's like so far gone, but it's like, I don't see it being a Bears are a competitive Super Bowl team next year. I'm seeing, like, if they do really, really well in the offseason, they're a fringe playoff team. If they don't do well, they're back in the gutter. So this tank turns into a two-year thing, two, three years. And then you're talking about the end of Justin's rookie contract and the fact that he's unhappy. And maybe he wants to be somewhere that's a little bit less dog shit. Because your beloved Chicago Bears have done nothing right in my lifetime. So if you're a fucking faceless 14-year-old uh, Twitter egg, they've done nothing right in your lifetime. I can guarantee you that because I've never seen them do anything right. Yeah. That's no, I mean, I, you definitely hit on some points there. I will say, um, 
when it comes to pace and polls, the situations are a little bit different, but that's why the polls hire had to be a good hire. Like, and I think that's going to, that's going to go on management that starts at the top. If a guy like polls doesn't pan out because when we hired pace, like you think about where we were kind of as a franchise, like we kind of felt like we were dwindling down from that last kind of run anyway. Like it was obvious that we weren't going to stick long with Cutler it was obvious that there were some roster changes that need to be desperately made. We almost, we brought in a guy like John Fox almost to kind of like guide getting that back guide, up and running. You know what guy, I mean? And Pace, I will say, Pace took a fucking grenade launcher to the entire roster, and you really didn't see any significant progress until about 2017 on defense. See, but like that's so- that's why like that's why polls had to be a knock it out of the park higher though because like. Pace didn't have that quarterback contract he had to manipulate. Like, he didn't go draft Mitch until, what, two years into his tenure? Like, and that, there's nothing wrong with that. But, like, that that contract is the ticker, man. And when you're joining a roster that already has that quarterback ticker going, and now we're seeing what Justin Fields is. I mean, we saw it against Detroit Lions. We've seen it the last month, like, of what he is. He looks like a guy that you need to be able to build around. Like, the margin of error is a lot smaller. So, like – I think there's you can benefit from comparing the two, and I think I guess, uh, yeah, that's a really great point, actually. Dude. But you know what I mean? Like, there's there's a little bit of a difference where, like, when people are on polls as ass about stuff like this, it's because the stakes are a little bit higher. You know what I mean? Because like we're all we're always going to hear like the oh well the pace guys gave him so much benefit for the doubt for so long, and it's like you know once once Mitch got drafted, that's where the benefit of the doubt started going, getting a oh, lot tighter. Instantly. You know what I mean? Instantly. Like those first two years. Yeah, I did. I kind of gave him like, all right, we're going to roll with this. But like the reason I don't do that with polls right now per se, I mean, and I don't think I'm somebody who's unfair to Ryan polls either. Like the reason I do that now is because like as much as everyone wants to claim like, Oh, this is a long-term rebuild and all that. And it's like, you don't have the quarterback to have a long-term rebuild right now. Like this is something you need to figure out now because like this contract is, is hovering over your head. Like you need to show that Ryan Poles can draft. Like he drafted this past year, every single year. And even then, like we have a guy like Bayless Jones who isn't getting snaps. Like, so like there needs to be like, we need to start seeing it fast. And I understand maybe that's not totally fair to Ryan Poles. If you compare it to Ryan Pace directly, but like, you're also hired to be a GM in the NFL. You knew what you were brought in to do. You found out if Justin Fields is a quarterback. You found out. You got the answer now. Now we have to see it. Like, that's why this upcoming offseason, it's, yes, be excited about it, but be very, very, very understanding of every move. Be able to criticize things. Be able to, if something, if, if Polls does something you don't like, be able to point it out. If he does something you like, that's fine. Point that out as well. But, like, this upcoming offseason is so fucking crucial to, like, the next two, three years of the Chicago Bears. Yeah, and and Paul's situation, what he walked into, even with being pressed against the cap, all that shit, still 100 times better than the situation Pace walked into because our old aging vets, you knew you weren't going to keep fucking Jimmy Graham or Nick Foles or those guys close to 40 that are really, you know, putting your age up, but Akeem Hicks, maybe 33, you know, Khalil Mack, 31, Robert Quinn's a little bit up there at like 32 or 33, but – we're not talking about Lance Briggs at 35, 36, and Brian Erlacher, who's older than that, right? Charles Tillman, who's in his late 30s. Like, we're talking about a team that still had some prime in it, and we opted to trade our cornerstone pieces. And I actually had a really good conversation with someone, forget his name off the top of my head, but he was talking about, like, yeah, you know, I he told me he had faith in the polls vision, and he said because, you know, it, it reminds him of how Kansas City started. That's fine and dandy, but Kansas City was in a lot different situation. 
like they didn't have just they didn't have Patrick Mahomes right away. They waited six years before they got Patrick Mahomes, and then they kicked it into fucking overdrive. Same thing, right? That that's when they went and picked up Tyron Matthew because they said we got someone that can go win us a Super Bowl. You got someone that can win you a Super Bowl on a rookie contract. So I think that was a very valid and, and a great point that the circumstances are a lot different. Um, but he like Pace walked into something that truly needed to be blown the fuck up. A lot of these contracts were set to have way less dead cap hit shit like that, but we chose to be like, you know what, we're going to get rid of it and we'll just take a second rounder. That was our choice. And then we use one of our second rounders for Chase Claypool, which, hey, I love the fact that we're allocating resources towards Justin Fields, but when he gets 31% snap share, I don't like that, especially when I see a well-run organization like Kansas City, who we're comparing to, right, put Kadarius Tony in, he's got a touchdown. They're putting him in good situations. Um, yeah, no know. doubt. Um, and I guess I'll give yeah, Kadarius, I'll you know, give Kadarius Tony a little bit of credit, but I mean, he could have fucking dude. He could have crawled into the end zone with dude with how that. that entire play was set up. That that place that play scheming. I, I I swear to God, I'll go to my grave hating it if Nagy had anything to do with it. But like, he couldn't have been any more open. All he had to do was stand out there and be like, "Hey, Pat," you know. So yeah. like, I'll give I'll give him that. But like, that's that's the Andy Reid effect. If we're being honest, Andy Reid can, I always say make chicken salad out of chicken shit. That dude has been doing it offensively for as long as since he was originally hired with Philly. Like but my thing is they have Juju. They could have worked him in slow. They could have put him on fucking ice for a while. They have Juju. They have fucking um, Valdez Scantling that they've been using. I don't know if he got injured. They have Nicole Hardman. They have Travis Kelsey. They still found a way to get fucking Kadarius Tony involved. We have Dante Pettis, Equinemius St. Brown, right? Like, what are we doing here? What a fucking asshole. <laughs> I don't, um, I, you know what I mean? Like, I just feel like that first week, maybe they saw, said, hey, we need to tone back a little bit because all we're giving them is screen passes and they didn't really, they weren't that effective. I think he had one that went for like 10 yards, but I don't know, man. That should be first priority is getting him involved and getting him on the same chemistry that him and Darnell Mooney have, like, that should be the number one priority for the rest of this season. So we're not working that shit out next year. Yeah. And no doubt, no doubt. And I, I think that's a good spot to kind of get us into our game because I mean, we did, we did rant and rave a little bit, but this is all, this is all really good. Important well, stuff. relative to really it's inspired it's relative. And like, and listen, if you're listening right now and you're upset that we didn't just immediately jump into the bears lions game, like this is, this is going to be kind of the, the norm for the rest of the year with the way the season's going. Like we're going to need to start having to talk about next year. Like it's just, it's the elephant in the room. You know what I mean? But um, I, I guess with the Claypool thing, like it's worrisome for sure. And like, I, I was the one that pointed out the play percentage the other day in the uh, group chat, but like, it's, we, I'm going to give it a little bit of time. I will give it a little bit of time, but if yes. this continues in this direction, it's going to be a big fucking problem. Like at the very worst, Chase Claypool is a big body who's six four can run in a straight line. You know what I mean? Like, I know that sounds kind of familiar to a guy who just had himself a game up fucking north that we usually shit on, but which I'm not gonna say by name because he uh, still hasn't earned that because uh, he only ever runs away from me. I never see him run towards me. But um, I will I will say like you need to try to get Claypool involved a little bit. Like I understand wanting to get him to learn the offense, but it's another thing, like you said, to get him in a rhythm with Justin Fields. Like if Justin has to tell him the play out of the fucking huddle, every, every couple plays that he's out there, like, okay, fine. He's an NFL wide receiver. Something tells me that like, 
that's not going to be the norm all year. You know what I mean? It's not going to be like a Kevin White situation at West Virginia where leaks came out that his quarterback was giving him the play every single fucking time. Like we're, we're actually going to have situations where like Claypool is going to learn a fucking learn the way that the offense position. What's that? I said he went to Notre Dame. He should be smart. I will say though, I'd be a lot more fucking worried if we come out of the bye in like three weeks or whenever it is. Um, when whenever we get back and Claypool is at the still still at the same amount of usage. Then I'll yeah, be dude, I'll be I'll be worried if that happens next week. Like we need like we just need to keep him on the field. Like it, it's as simple as that. Like it's not a situation where you traded for a guy who wasn't really playing in Pittsburgh. Like, dude, he was a starter in Pittsburgh. He was getting a pretty heavy snap count. He was getting a pretty heavy dose of uh passes from both Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky. Like he needs to get involved in the offense. This isn't like you can't you can't fucking just hold his hand for this long. You know, at a certain point, you gotta be like, hey, you're an NFL wide receiver. We'll tell you what to do. Go out there and ball. You know, and I I feel like he did a pretty decent job of that in his first appearance. Like, yes, the the two drops were pretty brutal, but like at the same time, that's football. And that's that's something that like when we traded for Chase Claypool, Lucas, that was something that me and you talked about immediately. Like it's Braylon Edwards effect. That's something you're gonna have to fucking deal with every once in a while. It, it really sucks and it's infuriating, but until he proves otherwise, like that's just something you have to deal with. But like, there's so much upside to that. Like you can't convince me that there's not ways to get him involved in the offense right now. I don't know if that's a Luke Getzey thing. I don't know if that's an Eberflus thing of like being like, Hey, we just traded for this guy. He needs to get acclimated to the locker room, but I haven't heard anything from him like about that at all. So I would be shocked if that was the case. Um, but it, it just, it can't hit a point where guys like Ekinomary St. Brown are getting higher snap counts. You know Dante I mean? like, Lettuce. like it's just, no, no, it's not. Okay. It's not okay, dude. You just traded essentially a first rounder for him. Put him on the fucking field. I don't care yeah. if he's being used as just a distraction and just running straight lines. And Justin might throw it to him every once in a while when he sees he's open. I don't give a fuck. He needs to be on the field. How That's do you? Th- I mean, dude, how do you, the draft right now. How do you think fucking Pettis? You know, Fields talked about Pettis and his his chemistry. How do you think that chemistry started, dude? It was a lot of Pettis getting in open fucking space. That's a lot yeah. of being an NFL wide receiver, especially when you have a quarterback like Justin who can extend the pocket. It's finding a way to get in open space and kind of like looking at your quarterback and be like, hey, hey. And you want to know who does that insanely fucking well? And this will take us right into our next point. And the lap just brought him out. Our boy, Cole Komet. The guy who everyone was so convinced was not a weapon that we needed to go sign Mike Kosecki. We needed to go draft a tight end. I tell you, it's almost like when you feature this guy in offense, he does amazing fucking things for you. And it's almost like I it, I always have to go back, Lucas, because I'll let you have this point because I know you love Cole Komet too. But it always goes back to that fucking practice where on the very last play when they were doing Hail Mary drills, Justin rolling out to the right and setting something up with Cole Komet right to find that fucking area in the middle of the field to get out into the sidelines to make a play. Just a real stick in the mud type play right on the fly. Cole Komet hit both fucking feet onto that line, caught that football, and it was about a 50 yard gain. That's the type of chemistry that you see with these two. And that's why this needs to continue to be a trend. Like, I don't want this to just be one or two off things. And it's it's not. You know what I mean? We saw what Cole Komet could do last year when he got a, when he got a heavy dose with Justin Fields. And now we're starting to see what can happen when Matt Nagy cover your ears, but we use Cole Komet like a red zone tight end because he's fucking gigantic and that's how he was used at Notre Dame. So uh yeah. It's really nice to fucking see he's a guy that can get open space. Like uh, my pro comparison to him has been Jason Witten since the very fucking beginning because he's just very good at fucking finding open space in his own, sitting in there, getting the football, and then running somebody over after. Like 
please, Luke Getze, continue to use this. I want to see this be something that even if it's not, even if it's not quote unquote winning us games right now, I want this to fucking be a trend that continues into next year and moving forward because it's very obvious that Justin and Cole Komet have a fucking very tight chemistry. Yeah, no, cross tight end one off of your fucking pre-draft bullshit list or, or whatever you got going on if you're writing blogs because um, there's no reason there's no reason why we've been telling you for fucking years now like he can be a feature pass catcher if he's not used as a pseudo offensive lineman and they have been using him much more as a feature pass catcher and that play his first touchdown was actually when you want to talk about athleticism, like that was as, as athletic you can get as you can get for a tight end. He got up to make that catch. That ball came in on him hot, fucking turned around in midair, was able to locate the ball and bring it down. Like that was a very, very high level fucking play for a tight end um, as a pass catcher too, not just as a blocker. So no, yeah, we've been saying this for a while. Um, Cole Komet is a very, very good football player, and he's been, and that's another reason why you can't watch the stats because context with stats makes a big fucking difference, right? Like Mike Mark Potash, who I'm sure most people already know he's a jerk off by now, but put out that stat that was like the Bears are now the sixth uh, player or the sixth pick in the in the draft, right? Devonta Smith in 2020, 2020 Devonta Smith went at. Uh, or not, no, I'm sorry. In 2020, Jalen Waddle was the sixth pick. And, um, you know, if we were five and five, we would have been 17th pick right now. And Alex Leatherwood would win at 17. It's like, okay, well, the Raiders reached on every fucking pick they made in the first draft or first round other than Josh Jacobs. Seelan Farrell was looked at as like a 20th pick. He got picked fourth overall. Okay. So there's one bit of context for you. Another bit. Why would you go back to 2020? Why wouldn't you go to 2021, right? Like, I think it would look a little bit different if you picked those players. So, at the end of the day, go fuck yourself. Um, but the, I, the only thing I hate more than the Green Bay Packers are false equivalencies. But go ahead. I'm sorry. I had to get that. That's in. why the stats. That's the dumbest that's, fucking tweet I've ever heard in my life. No, okay. yeah. That's why the stats don't matter without any sort of context. Because people like me and Duke have been telling you. I don't know if you see him but he doesn't run routes clean off the line. And in the last three weeks, he has been lining up in the slot outside other places um, and being utilized as a feature pass catcher. And right now he's the best receiver on the team, better than Darnell Mooney. He is the biggest weapon on the team. My personal opinion, it's hard to dispute that. He's got five touchdowns. Who else has five touchdowns on the team other than fucking Justin Fields? Nobody. Um, so, and he's, I think he's tied for second with the most touchdowns in the league at tight end in general. So go fuck yourself, delete your Cole Komet takes or own up to him, whatever you want to do, but he's the guy. So just from, I'm pretty sure I, I saw this stat. I don't hold me to it, but I, it, it looked like it had something behind it. Um, just with his touchdown performances the past few weeks, Cole Komet is officially the number seven fantasy tight end on the season. Like that's that's I started him over Mike Kosecki last week, dude. I, if anybody hasn't seen my fantasy lineup that I tossed on Twitter, I scored over 200 fucking points this last week, which is egregious in my fucking league. Like egregious. Like people, guys are topping out like 160. Like 163, I think was like the highest scoring game in our league, and I hit I hit 200 because I had Justin Fields and I had Cole Komet in my fucking lineup. Um, uh, but you know I. I do have to touch on that Darnell Mooney point because that's 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 a heater. That's a heater. I like that fucking take a lot, He's but that's a heater on the team right now. But like, dude, let's be honest. 
Mooney's a good player. If we continue to feed Cole Komet, you we're going to run into the same thing we ran into all, uh, last year once we started getting rolling on offense with Justin Fields. Cole Komet gets fed because Justin loves feeding his tight end when he has the opportunity to feed his tight end. His tight end's not fucking sitting as a blocker, which we're seeing more of in the offense. And Darno Mooney eats off of that because once they start focusing to the in, in fucking the the front seven in the middle of the field, uh, having that safety down to worry about Cole Komet, that's where Darno Mooney starts getting his fucking tight release at the line. That's where he starts what? taking shots downfield. Crazy idea. Chase Claypool, the guy you just traded for, right? Why not have three th- threats on the field instead of two? Only makes sense. Yeah, it will. And I really think uh, I, I have to bring that up. I don't know if I don't care if people don't know contests, but um, it, it, it's a situation where, like, hopefully this is the start to kind of start see what the total package is on offense. Because, Lucas, we talked about this before the show, and I think it's something that we really get kind of talking about because it's something that similar to Trent Dilfer said that earlier this week. Um, and actually caught some flack for it. And if I, if you say anything on Twitter about it, you'll catch some flack for it as well, because I kind of got some flack for insinuating that Justin should throw the ball this week a little bit more. Um, we need, we know what Justin Fields can do running the football. We know what Justin, let me say it one more time. We know what Justin Fields can do running the football. Like it's very obvious. He is fucking electric. He's probably one of the best, if not the fastest fucking quarterback in the NFL, his, uh, sec- his, second gear once he gets past the secondary is insane um so like and his ability to maneuver the pocket to what he wants it to be is getting becoming outrageous actually with how good he's doing it um so like we know we can do this where we are with this season we're sitting at three and seven we just lost to the fucking detroit lions like we're on a we're on a we're on a skid you know what i mean like it's awesome scoring all these points and trust me these losses taste a lot a lot less terrible when we're scoring points, and that's cool because it makes it a, a lot different more than the Washington loss, right? Like, but like at the same fucking time, like we we're not winning games, and like we're, we're kind of hitting the point where it's like we're we're not going to make playoffs, you know? Like we're not winning the Super Bowl this year. Sorry, spoiler alert. We need to start seeing what this offense is going to look like next year. We need to start seeing the type of situations where, like, if we have to throw the ball 30, 40 times. We need to see what that looks like. You know, if we if we have to run the ball a lot, we know what that looks like right now. Yeah, but like exactly. we need to be able to see Chase Claypool get fed. We need to be able to see Darno Mooney get fed. We need to be able to say Cole Komet get fed. And this doesn't fall on, on Justin Fields. You know, I mean, Justin's running the plays that they're asking him to run. He's making chicken salad out of chicken shit on the plays that he's, you know, that are being ran. Like, I, I definitely get that. And I understand with the offensive line they have up front, because this is kind of the number one argument I always hear when it comes to this is like, well, they don't want to throw the ball out because they don't trust the offensive line. Like it's, it's the point where Justin can move the pocket enough that he can still, he could still make some fucking dashes or make some throws down the field. Like we can still roll out. We can still do some RPO different stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like we can get creative with it, we, but like we need to be able to see like Justin, at his absolute best, and contrary to popular belief, Justin at his absolute best isn't running the football. Justin at his absolute best is tearing secondaries apart with his arm because that's what all he used to do at fucking Ohio State. And we need to know. We need to be able to see now that we spent a second-round pick on Chase Claypool, we need to make sure that that's a thing. We need to make sure like that is going to work because otherwise we need to – we need to figure out fast because we have a lot of money in this offseason up here to spend. We have some draft capital we can mess around with if we wanted to go get like a, a genuine, legitimate number one. And we're already looking at teams that are probably going to blow it up after this year. So, like, 
we need to be able to see what Chase Claypool is. We know what Darnell Mooney is. We, there already been extension talks there, and we need to be able to see. We know what Cole Komet is, but we need to continue to see Cole Komet play in this direction. Like I want to see Cole Komet get ten touchdowns by the end of the year, and I don't think that's not. I don't think that's crazy. No, um, you're asking for less than a touchdown a game, especially with how he's been performing and how they move the ball. You know, he's their main red zone target right now, so I don't think that's out of the ordinary at all. Um, he might come up short. He might only end up with eight or nine, but. I don't think it's a crazy ask. Um, and you're right in terms of development too. Like we need to take that next step in Justin's development. We know what he is as a runner. We know he could put up points if his back's against the wall, right? Uh, one of the notes that they gave him and, and some of the plays that they've given him are one read or run. If your read is not open at the top of his break, get the fuck out of there and, and make something happen with your legs. We don't need to see that anymore. It's, it's encouraging to see. I love seeing it for my fantasy football team. It's incredible. But at the end of the day, we need to start developing other aspects of fucking Justin Fields, the way that Josh Allen slowly developed and the way that Jalen Hurts and some of the Lamar Jackson, some of these uh, guys that were, you know, uh, effective in the, in the beginning of their career because they were able to keep a defense off balance with their legs. Now it's time to start implementing some of these other more difficult um yeah, it's it's time to start imp implementing some of these more difficult concepts and and having him develop and fail in those ways. Because if we've learned one thing from Justin Fields, it's that he really doesn't make a lot of mistakes twice. And it seems like he went through a lot of the mistakes you could make in the first couple weeks of the season because since then he's been taking off. So let's start having him fail again. Let's start having him start learning more complex things um, and start having him develop that uh, those other parts of his game especially with the quick release game, right? Like getting him comfortable in that quick release game. Some of the more, um, you know, mundane shit, the, some of the Tua shit, right? Like Tua's leading the league in fucking yards right now, if I'm not mistaken, or he's up there. And it's it's not because he's able to throw a great deep ball. It's because he's fucking surgical with it underneath. And we need Justin Fields to get there for us to really be that next echelon of team, um, especially if we're looking at next year. So let's not start figuring this out next year. Let's start figuring it out right fucking now. Right. Let's start like let's make Velas Jones active next week. We we know what Dante Pettis is. We know what Equinemia St. Brown is. Um, they've been surprising additions and more productive than I thought they would be. But you drafted a, a wide receiver in the third round. Let's start using him and seeing what the fuck he has to offer and how he's going to be implemented. You traded a second rounder for Chase Claypool. Let's implement him. Let's keep feeding Cole Komet and Darnell Mooney. And let's start getting this passing game going in the right direction. And for and for the record, with that all being said, Lucas, and I know you're going to agree with me on this, that does not mean that once we're playing in competitive games that we can't roll back to this run style if teams flat out can't stop it. The only reason we need to start running this offense like you just explained it and how I explained it is we need to be able to see the total package like that's that's literally it. We we don't need we're not doing this because like we need to force oh, we hit our running quarterback. He needs to throw the ball 40 fucking times every week. You know what I mean? Like, we're not we're, – I'm not of that impression. I hated when fucking Nagy used to do that with Mitch because it didn't fit his fucking style. Like, we just want to be able to see, like, if we have to run in those situations, if we get in fucking shootouts and they're stopping the run, then what? You know what I mean? And, like, I know I, – I have a lot of trust that Justin could do that because – I fell in love with Justin Fields during the draft process for his fucking arm. It was not his legs. You know, everybody loves his legs. His arm 
is so it's almost vastly underrated because of how impressed people are with him running the football. And like, I want that to start being on display a little bit more. And I want to see that to continue to develop because we've seen guys who have a lot of natural arm talent that never took that next step because they were focusing on different parts of their fucking game. You know what I mean? And like with Josh Allen and the reason I was putting this up like this is like, Guys like Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, you want to know what made them become fucking MVPs and MVP candidates and the point where they're going to get paid a lot of money. Their their legs started that conversation. Their fucking arm finished it. You know what I mean? They're like a Lamar deep deep ball when he's hot, it's it's beautiful to watch. Josh Allen right now, he is at his absolute best when he is slinging it in the fucking pocket or slinging it on the run. You know what I mean? Like his arm talent, getting it to fucking Gabe Davis, getting it to Stephon Diggs. Like, and those are the types of talents that we can get surrounded around fucking uh, Justin Fields at a certain point. But like, we need to be able to continue to develop that talent because Josh Allen is a guy who I see compared to Justin Fields all the fucking time. He was drafted. His arm was extremely raw, but the arm talent was very obviously there. He just had some accuracy issues. He had some stuff he had to work on. He had to get used to throwing the ball deep in tighter windows. And you want to know what? He's got, he's done it. He's fucking done it. He looks a lot fucking better. And that's something that I think Justin can continue to fucking develop on. Cause dude, we rave about Justin's deep ball all the time. It's not just, it's not just the throw power. It's that he can drop that fucker in a bucket when he wants to. That's well, and that's the thing. Right. And like, you look at the, now we're talking about Justin Fields in a different light, you know, beginning of the season, it was rough. It was like, Hey, is this going to be the franchise guy? Now we know he is the fucking dude. Like, let's increase his shelf life, right? These quarterbacks that run the ball traditionally are going to last a lot shorter than a guy like Tom Brady, who is playing at 45. Or, you know, you know, it's just it's just kind of one of those things. You look at Aaron Rodgers' decline. Um, you look at Ben Roethlisberger, not necessarily mobile guys, but guys that took a lot more hits than Tom Brady. And they're falling off at a much younger age, right? So now we're looking at the long term here. We want Justin Fields to be healthy for 20 fucking years. And while... It makes my goddamn underloins fill with blood seeing Justin Fields truck somebody going into the end zone, right? Like, I'm pretty sure that guy had a concussion. I hope he's okay. But he put, he laid the fucking lumber. Like, that was a running back run. Um, But at the same time, let's have a running back do that, right? Like, let's, let's, I get it because he's a winner. He's a fucking baller. And if he's, guys aren't going to get open or catch the ball, then he's just going to do it in fucking self. But that's, you know, that goes into the off season conversation. How do we, how do we surround this guy with enough talent where he's not playing hero ball every fucking game? Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's a big part of it. You know, I think you see often offenses at their absolute best are not asking their quarterback to do every single fucking thing. Like not because their quarterback can't like, let's, let's look to the neighbors up North, like, because they're, they're, it's obvious. That's probably the most obvious example over his the course of his entire career. Aaron Rodgers playing hero ball does not result in Super Bowl wins. Like it got one, but he didn't play hero ball. It was a fucking full team effort. It was their best like, team. Yeah, exactly. And their defense, I think they had the best turnover defensive football. Like that's, but that's not that's not the conversation. It, it's more or less like. Yes, you're going to put up MVP type numbers because Aaron Rodgers can fucking do it all. You know what I mean? Like, that's great. That's awesome. You're going to get to the playoffs every year. You're, you, 
always have a chance, blah, blah, blah. But like when you when you have the ability to run an effective offense and have that sitting in your back pocket as your fucking secret weapon when you need it, and then like all he can all Justin has to do is just fucking use that magic when it's needed. Holy shit, are you just a dangerous fucking offense? Like that's and that's that's honestly what Belichick did a really good job of with Brady for so long, and that's why they were successful as they are. Like, yes, I believe that Tom Brady's the best quarterback of all time, but I think where they really honed it in with him is they didn't make Tom just carry the offense every single fucking year, dude. They had a fucking effective, like three-headed monster running back. They were able to feed a lot of guys. They were do they did some quick hitting routes, but it hit points in games where I always think of uh, a huge part of their their run being able to come out and just catch catch dump uh dump down dump down passes because the middle of the field was clear with Gronk and Edelman running people out of it. So and, I had and, and then you hit you to seven yards. And then say you hit a point where you're down 14 points at halftime. The second half you have fucking Tom Brady. That's when you let Tom Brady loose. You know what I mean? And that's where your offense rolls at its absolute best. So like that's the that's the way I want to see us go with Justin Fields for the long term outlook of our offense. Like I'm not I'm not directly comparing Justin Fields Tom Brady or anything. What I'm saying is like when you instead of like just carrying having that magic carry you and use every last bit of fucking juice you absolutely can until you run this guy into the fucking ground, like run an effective enough offense that he's that weapon. That's your X factor when you fucking need it. That's the guy that's like, all right, Justin, we're down 10 in the fourth. Go win us a fucking football game. And like it's it's game over because Justin's going to win you that fucking football game because he's fresh. Well, and not only that, but yeah, exactly. You saw, I mean, you run the ball that much, like he's getting a little bit fatigued towards the end of games and it's a lot harder to close out these one score games. But even still, if you develop your passing game more now, then when you get into a situation where your kicker shanks an extra point, your defense lets up a touchdown and you need to throw the ball for four or five plays in a row, you're able to do so. But it's kind of tough when your quarterback's fucking running in circles, playing hero ball, all fucking game long, and now it's a time where it's like, okay, don't have timeouts, can't run the ball, now we need to throw it. Now let's put all the fucking pressure under this microscope. No, stupid. Um, so, yeah, what? you're right. Watch the AFC Championship last year. No, no better fucking example. Watch how fast Josh Allen can move down the field at a fucking late point in the game, and then watch Patrick Mahomes be able to do the same thing. And the reason they can do that is because of the comfort that they've built in that fucking passing game, you know, regardless of what their strengths are. That's exactly what we want for Justin Fields. Like, that is – that's that's the best version of Justin Fields, being and able to just it. effortlessly move down the fucking field with his arm or his legs. And you see Mahomes, it, it, to me, is like the prime example of the quarterback that throws the ball so effectively that – Everyone is so scared of his arm that he is scampering for 20-yard fucking third-down runs like because everyone just has their back turned to him. Imagine Justin Fields in a situation like that where DBs are so scared of your arm that now they have to respect that in every which way. You can't run a spy against him, none of that shit, and now we have a third and 20, and it's like, okay, everyone's gone. See ya. I'm at that 20-yard line in 1.2 seconds, right? Like. I hate I hate to bring him up again, but that's fucking that's what made Aaron Rodgers so goddamn dangerous in his prime too. Yeah. And he wasn't like, even mobile. Like we're talking about guys that are like bare minimum of the type of athleticism you need to have now to Patrick Ma- dude, Patrick Mahomes walks runs like a fucking soccer mom. Like, like and he still gets yeah. 20 yard rushes. It's it's <laughs> disgusting. You know what I mean? Uh, but, yeah. but no, that's that's a great point. That is a really great point. And that's 
that again, man, like that is the development of where we want Justin Fields to go. I know we didn't quite talk about the Detroit Lions or this That's game fine. as much as we matter. fucking wanted to, but like there's there, a lot of stuff that needed to get cleared up, Lucas, because shout like, out your boy Jackie before we close out though, too. Cause Oh, I, I have to. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's good spot. I mean, fuck, dude, we're at fifty-three minutes right now. Anyway, not that you all don't love hearing our wonderful voices every uh, every day of the week that we decide to record. Um, but hopefully, hopefully the schedule gets normal. I got some news probably coming up too, but that's a story for another day. Um, Jack Sanborn. So that guy, that guy's pretty good at football, man. Um, so I actually had a pretty good talk with somebody on Twitter a little bit earlier, and it, it like I love kind of being able to talk about why, like. Everyone knows I'm a Sanborn guy. I like being able to kind of say like why I was kind of high on that. And it wasn't just this whole like, oh, Wisconsin guy. You know what I mean? Because dude, there are so many Wisconsin guys in the league that like I'm happy when they get drafted or they get signed. But it's like, ah, probably not. You even you said I mean? Chanel like with where he was at. That was their big ticket linebacker. But you're like, mm, we can't. It's not. It's not feasible for us. Like exactly. And like I trust me, I tried to find every draft mock that I could to make that work. Because the idea of having Leo Chanel and that other linebacker we used to have, who was pretty damn good, <laughs> fucking dude, that, that shit was giving me wet dreams. But at the same time, I knew that if once that plan failed, because like I thought a guy like Jaquan Brisker was a little bit more realistic with that pick, because if he falls to that spot, which, you know, whatever, hindsight's 2020, um, there was a guy in Sanborn that was going to be sitting late in the fucking draft that was just not getting any draft type. And I just, for the life of me, couldn't understand it because Jack reminds me so much of Chris Borland, who was a guy that was pretty highly touted coming out of Wisconsin was a five. I think he was a four or five year starter at Wisconsin. I'm pretty sure he was a red shirt senior and he played a little bit of his like true freshman year. Um, but he, he was a guy that, like, I, athleticism doesn't fly off the board. He's not going to give you insane combine numbers. But, like, when it hits game day, dude, like, he, he's out there and he's running the defense. Like, if you go and watch Wisconsin games the past few years on defense, and it's something that we're desperately missing this year, Jack Sanborn was kind of that fucking, like, he was the gel in the middle. He kept everything together. He did not make mistakes. And that allowed a guy like Leo Chanel to absolutely, like, like flourish because it allowed Leo Chanel to play a lot more free. He wasn't too uh, worried about having to uh, kind of make up for anything that Sanborn would have to do. And he would be able to, that's, that's how he worked himself into the pick that he worked in. Like there were people who were having him mocked in the first round, like, and, and rightfully so Leo Chanel was fucking incredible last year, but Jack Sanborn was that guy. He was that glue guy that kept that together, man. He was very, he's a very stabilizing force and he's somebody that when he's playing free, when he's playing, like not having to think about his responsibilities because he knows them, you get what you get against the Detroit Lions. Like, I don't want this to just be seen as like, oh, well, undrafted guy had a one good game against the Detroit Lions. It's like when you look at what he did at Wisconsin, when you look at him earning his spot as an undrafted free agent, when you look at what he did in the preseason, preseason was outstanding. And when you look at where he's headed right now, the guy had two fucking sacks and two tackles for loss. Those weren't the same tackles. Those were four different plays. And an interception and he would have had an interception that would have sealed the game had it not been for a horrendous call on Jalen Johnson. Like, this is a guy 
that you can really sink your fucking teeth into and be like, this can be the mic of the fucking Matt Eberflus era. You know what I mean? Like this can be our guy. Um, I think they saw that. I think they didn't want to rush him onto the field because they didn't want to throw it at him too quick. But I, I, I don't believe that a guy like Matt Eberflus and Al Williams saw a guy like Jack Sanborn in camp and didn't think like, oh, we have something with this guy. But yeah, I'm very surprised he went undrafted, to be honest. Dude, I was too. I was fucking stunned. Like, I, I thought fifth, sixth, seventh round, it was a guarantee. You like, think seventh I, round, a guy like Elijah um, Elijah Woods, the guy that they drafted, the Bears, like, you'd think they would have prioritized someone like Jack Sanborn there. Um, you know what I mean? I, like, I just feel like he fell so much under the fray and, like, I just don't think people really respect how good the defense that Wisconsin have been since Jim Leonard took over as defense coordinator a few years back. Like it's been dominant. And like all those defensive players that are coming out are becoming pretty good NFL fucking football players. You know what I mean? Like Elijah Hicks, my bad. No, you're good. Uh, But like there's, it just, it blows me away. He was so overlooked. Like it, it was almost like he was looked at as like he thrived because he played next to Leo Chanel whereas Leo Chanel or where Jack was never given that type of fucking um, uh, leeway. It was like, no, Jack only looked good because he played next to Leo Chanel. And it's like, no, it goes way deeper than that. You don't run one of the best defenses in the nation your entire tenure at Wisconsin as the guy in the middle, unless you can play some fucking football. And yeah, I just, I, I, this is where the NFL gets a little too wild on obsessing over athleticism, over just being able to play fucking football. And we see it all the time. We see guys like this slip through the cracks all the time who end up being just absolute dogs. But because they don't run a 4-4-40, nobody wants to touch them. I think you see it with uh, Jack Sanborn. And I think it's funny. Uh, a lot of people on Twitter were like, you know, I, he looked a little slow last week, but he looked a lot faster this week. It's like, you know, it's crazy how much faster you can play when you're not thinking. That's uh, I, I don't think people understand um... – I mean, I, I no, I know people don't understand linebacker positions by what we see on Twitter. Um, the space you're covering is no, especially at Mike in this system. Um, and he was playing the short side of the field in pass drops. So, like, you're really not covering that much ground. They are still NFL athletes. Like, maybe he runs a four seven instead of a four four, right? But like, you're not covering that much ground. Those numbers really make a big difference for your wide receivers. Even your your running backs, you know, I don't think it because you're working in short spaces, someone like Montgomery, whatever, but that top end speed really helps, right? Um, your cornerbacks, that top end speed is going to help. But when you're playing in a bubble, like you just have to get places quickly. Um, and you're mo- you, most of these guys are athletic enough to do that. Now, if you ran a 5 2 5, sure, he's not, he's not an NFL caliber athlete, but if you're, if you're being looked at, uh, you're probably fast enough to play the position. So, I don't know. I just would have liked to seen. you know, I'm a big, when I go through the process, like a Rondale Moore sticks out to me because of the biceps, like I'm a big um, specific traits for specific players. And Jack Sanborn's neck is unbelievable. Like I would have loved to see someone with a fucking permanent cowboy collar playing next to Roquan Smith. So a, a true thumper to kind of hold things together in the middle to allow a Leo Chanel or a Roquan Smith to just run freely and use all of his athleticism. We don't get to see that. We never did, but I would have liked to see it. And I think that brings up the the biggest point of all of this because it was probably one of the most wrong takes I've seen online. Um, Roquan Smith and Jack Sanborn don't play the same position. Like, 
I, I'm not going to sit here and talk about Roquan, like because like I don't want to do that. But like they Jack do, they, they do not play the same position. Like they play linebacker. Linebackers are not all the same position. Like oh, but it's especially in a four-three defense. No, it's off-ball linebacker, dude. Remember, it's off-ball versus edge linebacker. Yeah, and those those same people can't even fucking tell you what an off-ball. Safeties are premium is. positions. Don't ever forget that. Um. <laughs> all right, we need to stop. I think all right. Yeah. So I mean, sorry guys, if you expected a full post game of the Detroit Lions, they're cock. They lost to the worst team in our division. Exactly, dude. There's no way to spin that. But in all, in all honesty, I thought we did a pretty good job at spinning it. You know, I thought we talked about a lot of good stuff here. We talked about where we want to see Justin Fields go. We want to see where like the offense goes. Uh, we have concerns with guys like Chase Claypool. You know, Jack Sanborn looks like a fucking stud. He looks like a guy we can kind of have that linebacker room kind of go around as we continue to build that linebacker room because that linebacker room is far from a finished product. There's some decent guys in there, but we need some other fucking star power out there. Um, you know, the defense didn't look great once again, but like the, I feel like this is going to be the format moving forward. We got to kind of look a little bit ahead because of where we are with our record. We're not winning the Super Bowl this year, unfortunately. I know I hate ripping that Band-Aid off every fucking episode, but here we are. Um, but I, I think uh, just kind of touching on where this team is, where guys are in the development cycle is just a little bit more important right now. You know what I mean? Especially when we're, what, on a three-game skid right now? It's, it's like a seven-game skid at this point, dude. I think yeah, I mean, dude, trust me, I'm I'm still holding out hope like that the Bears can find a way to magically get to fucking eight wins just so I can hit my fucking <laughs> my prediction. But it's getting a lot more insurmountable every single week. And I'm never something I'm never a fan who is like, I want this team to lose every game. I want fucking, you know, I'm not I'm not that and I'm not going to get mad at people for rooting for this team when we're fucking three and eleven or something stupid like that. So I, I just this is where we're at in the season. So, um, and how you want a fan, but my personal opinion is tanking is for losers. Um, and right. front offices tank coaches, players, they don't fucking want to lose. They're not going in there like, oh, yeah, we're gonna have a ton of cap next year. That's not how they're thinking. They want to yeah. win the game. That's why yeah. Justin Fields is rushing for 160 yards. And that's why you have Eddie Jackson fucking holding people accountable in the fucking media. You know what I mean? Like holding himself accountable as well, because that's a guy who has is as fucking competitive as it fucking gets, who does not want to lose these games. And you got to remember, man, you don't make it to the NFL with the idea that you're cool with losing. You know what I mean? You make it to the NFL because you're one of the most competitive fucking people on the planet. Um, so yeah, it's a good place to stop. Uh, if you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe over on YouTube. Hit the like button if you like what you hear as well. Be sure to shoot us a comment. Um, dude, we had a Dolphins fan. I don't know if you saw it, Lucas. We had a Dolphins fan comment and basically shit all over us for our fucking two it takes. This <laughs> sucks. Like he watched, he watched it after the fact. I How appreciate come back. I appreciate that he gave us like a paragraph worth of thoughts, and he obviously would listen to the fucking episode. But like I, I don't know. I if you ever want to give me a comment like that, like we had a guy shitting on us for our Tevin Jenkins pick, uh, takes early on in the year too, which that should age like milk for him. But that's his problem, not mine. Um, but yeah. Anyway, uh, be sure to subscribe YouTube, uh, Apple, Spotify. Be sure to subscribe over there. Rate us five stars. Um, shoot us a rating. Um, if if people are to to be believed, our Apple rating should be back at five stars. But we'll have to see. Um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, um, uh, it, until until next time, let's uh, let's keep the peace.
I'm Duke Coughlin. You can follow me at that pod guy Duke on Twitter. As always, I'm joined by uh, put the kids put the kids away, turn the volume down. The Ayatollah of Capicola, Lucas Perfetti. You can follow him on Twitter at Lucas Perfetti forty six. We've been barely there and bear down. Ask that kid what Tua would be doing on the Bears offense right now. Bear down, dude. I'll I'll pull up this comment for the next episode. We'll give him. A Please, do. Please do. Please do because. He's fucking terrible. Um, and I will nothing will make me waver from that statement. He's surgical underneath. I heard someone describe him as that, and I think that's a correct take. He is fucking surgical underneath. And he gets the ball out quick, but he sucks balls. Whenever whenever we start doing t-shirts, we should fucking we should make one that says surgical underneath and have an arrow pointing down. Yeah. Kirk Cousins is incredible at that shit underneath, too. Yeah, Kurt Kurt Thuggins, depending on uh, who you ask. But all right, let's let's get the fuck out of here, Lucas. Tell him to bear down. Bear down.